0: Welcome back to the Niger Filmmaker, a podcast for us to talk about Nigerian filmmakers, their films, and how it can build a diverse and functional industry. I'm your host, Sele Gott. On this episode, my guest is Lolo Erime. She's a filmmaker, screenwriter, and producer. She produced the 2019 feature Gaiman and is also active on the live music scene. We talk about film marketing, producing Gaiman, and her research work on African Magic's Riona. If you're a new listener, you're welcome, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, Lulu. You're welcome to the Naja Filmmaker. Hi, Sele. Thanks Hi, for then. having me.
1: I'm good, thanks. I'm very well.
0: Okay. So can you introduce yourself?
1: Okay. Hello, everyone. My name is Lulu. My last name is Ermi. By the way, Lulu is my real name. It's short for Lulu Epirima. For those people that think it's a nickname or it's an Igbo name, it's not. It's actually an Igbo name. And it's Lulu for short. I am a filmmaker, screenwriter, producer, and from time to time I act. So yeah, that's it in a nutshell.
0: Okay. Um, So can you tell us how um, your filmmaking career started?
1: Okay, so I was in the 95 Circuit for about a decade, that's in the telecom circuit, and I was in corporate communications. And um, this basically required um, internal communications, which covered um, memos, um, writing in print online, and then it graduated to visuals, um, photo presentations, you know, like photo stories for events. Mm-hmm. Um, or PowerPoint presentations, even, with pictures of the events. And it grew to covering the events proper, you know, capturing um, work functions, town hall meetings, and visuals, proper visuals, videos, you know, to just cover anything at all that related to work.
0: Yeah.
1: And I realized I enjoyed, you know, it was part of me. I'd always been a creative. I had a theater background. Um, I did some of that when I was in school. Um, although that's not my major, but I got to do an elective course in theatre arts for about a year, and that was a lot of fun. So yeah. I always just had that whole creative thing going on. So I really enjoyed, bottom line is in the corporate circle, I really enjoyed the the anything that had to do with filmmaking and telling stories. Yeah. Um, and I realized at that point, you know I I think I should be doing this on the side. I've always done the creative thing on the side, even as a 9 to 5 I would either be involved in stage plays or um maybe some music project some advertising project because we did the i did the very first MTN yellow yellow christmas project Mm. so i've always um i've just always been involved with the creative space even back then but as i grew and i evolved and i realized okay i really like this whole picture storytelling visual thing Um, I started to dabble a bit, make inquiries, find out what's going on in Nollywood, who's doing what, you guys need any help, I can write stuff for you, I can, you know, I reached out to a couple of um, notable film producers back then, I was either offering to write stories, I was offering to write soundtracks, I was offering to just do stuff, you know, to um, get myself in the system, I had already acquired, you know, um, basic knowledge from just being in that corporate space. Um, and I thought it was time to get get on the field because it was very different from theater. It was very different from film. It was clearly very different from theater. Yeah. So um, armed with all of that, I just finally made the transition from the corporate space to... Oh, I did work in on TV as well. Okay. Um, during my... And before my NYC, I had been a producer slash presenter on NTA. Yeah. That was in PH. And I did this just before I went on when it to went in for my NYC. And then um when I served in Abuja, I got to work with the TV house. Um yeah. So I did presenting with that T V House as well. We we're covering Senate events. It was actually MBI back then.
0: Yeah.
1: And then um gravitated from that to when I wound up working in Lagos. On the side I was still doing T V presenting and um a bit of producing with nta2 that's really funny this was all while i was still doing the corporate thingy actually and then i think i had to pull out a bit because the jobs the job was so demanding so when i got to that phase where i was getting hungrier again i just made the transition finally i started working with um a tv radio house that was cool fm in lagos and um I wasn't presenting, I was heading the events and PR unit. Okay. So um, that part of my work was, um, we had some short films that we usually would produce for the, it was um, a school in Lebanon called the Notre Dame Film. They had a festival called the Notre Dame Film Festival. Yeah. So I had the mandate to produce at least three short films. We would work with students who call for stories. And students would send in their stories and we'd shoot them and just give them some kind of exposure, take them to Lebanon to this film festival and it was it was a great it was a great way for me. I think that was like um that was the first um film festival I entered as a participant. I had attended a few in Nigeria just as an observer, so that was the first one that we attended with our films and it was great. We came back with some nice little plaques and um recognition they were very happy with the quality of that work they said oh was so it's a huge improvement from the stuff they had seen before and all that so i felt really good like yeah. but, like like almost like you know not like yeah the work is your, your work is valid at least you're doing something right um it was really good ent- encouragement and good motivation so this was in 2014 2015 by later 2015 i made the transition full-time i left Um, and I started doing more work, um, on different projects and I also got acting gigs in between. Yeah. So, um, if I wasn't producing, then I was probably acting. Now, during that period, I wound up on Tinsel. I wound up, that's, um, African Magic Tinsel, I wound up on, um, another show called Forbidden. Yeah. I wound up on another show called Eve. So, um... During that space, I was I was also doing some acting, which was interesting. Then I in 2016 into 2017 produced my first feature film. That was yeah. Guy Man.
0: Yeah.
1: Um post-production took us like a whole year. For reasons I cannot even begin to, to, to- <laughs> For me, since I cannot even begin to, to, to divulge, I mean, I, I would, if you have energy to listen. But it was basically, um, we just had a lot of back and forth with regards to how, we, you know, the story direction. Um, not direction, but I would say editing, how we wanted the overall look and feel and direction to why, how we wanted, the, you know, just how, to, how we wanted it to look, basically. Yeah. Um, differences of opinions and then we had to move to about two or three editors. Anyway, we finally got the work done. So we were meant to be released in cinemas, I think 2018. Even had set a date, but something came up and we had to put on ice again. And then finally, in March of 2019, it finally was released in the cinemas and all of that. It was great, we were very happy with the outcome. Um, There's always room for improvement. And those were duly noted. Now what I learned from that was it's not enough sometimes to um it's not enough sometimes to have the vision and and no matter how plain you make it or no matter how hard you try to communicate sometimes if if if, if you and someone are not like 100% you know in sync
0: yeah.
1: it's going to always there's always going to be one little kink or one little issue that will pre- prevent you people from being 100% on the same page yeah if you find people that like you're on the same page, hundred percent we just keep them because they're pure gold, and that's the truth. so um when you know I looked back, I was like, there's some things that either I wasn't really very effective at communicating or just some things that just weren't very very well received as per the project. Yeah. So I realized that um one of the major areas was very un- I was very unhappy with was the editing <clears throat> and it had taken us quite a while to to sort out i I was happy with the final result but the process to get to that final result was so tedious
0: yeah
1: and being the kind of person i am i was like wait so wait the person editing this thing does he have two heads or she have two does she have two heads how long does it take what is it how much is it what are the requirements because i already dabbled a bit you know with regards to I had a bit of music background. I had a bit of theatre background. I was I used to do visuals, corporate communications that I mentioned mm-hmm. back then. I had to do a lot of online stuff, um, handling the internet, intranet, and the internet, and you know, websites, doing all these things. And I'm like, but this is like the same alley, you know? Yeah. They're not far apart. Yo, I went to I went to film. I'm um, not a film. It was um, Afrinoli. Yeah. They were offering editing um, courses for um da vinci resolve yo i went and did it man i was like i'm not even <laughs> i'm never doing this to myself again even if i'm not editing full-time for people
0: yeah
1: as far as my work is concerned i need to have like sound knowledge of what i'm doing and what i'm saying so that the language is very very identical when i'm working with yeah. whomever it is is doing the editing whomever it is i need to communicate with. And of course, um, I'm kind of like a perfectionist, so I practically sit with you through the process. Yeah. But I was like, I'm at that phase in my life where I don't need to stress too much. What I like to do now is whatever I'm doing, at least the first cut, I should be able to do that by myself. Yeah. That's, so that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. So I'm a certified editor, WT Resolve, yay um it's, it's made my life easier i mean nowadays if i have any small thing i need to do and so oh, yeah sure i'll just say if I, if I have my system available
0: yeah
1: and all of that and i think it's one of the best decisions i made um to just because i don't like to just i'm not i don't like to talk too much i yeah. believe more in being practical and getting it's things done things, yeah. yeah so that's that's been a great thing for me and then fast forward to so this is now 2019 2020
0: how was, how was <laughs> a in How We did two cinema? weeks.
1: We did two weeks in the cinemas. Um, figures are not the best I had seen to be honest. I had hoped for way, way, way more. Yeah. But at least we're just happy that we finally even got to that phase and we got to that point point. and we're looking at other um, other we're still looking at other platforms to explore. There's always, of course, the huge Netflix that yes. <laughs> so we're just you know awaiting their feedback and all of that to know if we made the cut. And then hopefully you know just explore other platforms and see how you can take the work further while you're focusing on new work and new material okay so let me be very honest with with filmmakers um when you're going for your cinema runs a lot of people just you always think that i've made a great movie i'm going to the cinemas i'm going to break even listen if you do not get your publicity done right if you do not get your audience to leave their houses to go and watch your film, the cinema run will not be great. That's just the truth. Um, I had a lot of people that promise, oh, i will go watch your movie." I promise, I promise, and there's just so much pro- procrastinating. Yeah, you know, people were like, "Oh, I'll go check this out. I'll go check this out. I'll go check check this out." But they don't always end up doing that. Mm. Some people are not in the country, so they're like, "Is there anywhere else I can watch it? Is there Netflix? You know, all of that." So what you end up having are just genuine film lovers. You know, just a genuine audience of just people that just appreciate cinema. And they're just genuinely on the lookout for something that looks interesting. Yeah. And tickles their fancy. And they would be like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll go check it out. Now, you also need to be wary of um, this budding crop of critics.
0: Yeah.
1: That um, do not really take their time to do the work. So some blogger can just wake up and say, oh, what's such a stupid movie. And that's what all people need to hear. You know, that's what some people need to hear. It's not enough. No, no, you know, nothing analytical, no in depth. No in-depth analysis, nothing at all concrete to make you say, okay, the storyline was this, the plot was this, the lighting wasn't that great. You know, just something to back up what you're saying. But now we're in this, we see we're in this evolving culture of people that can just go out and just basically destroy a movie from the get-go. And I've seen so many movies that could have had it shot at doing way, way better, you know, doing much less because, you know, the system still isn't in place to have proper critics, um, and it's not in place to have like proper. I I still think we're not doing enough um, publicity for film projects. Yeah. I think that the um, I think I I think we do not have the right mechanics in place. I still don't think we have the right mechanics in place. Yeah. I think that um, a lot of it for now is still um, clout watching. If there's such a thing, it's just a, it's just a. Okay,
0: can you explain that?
1: So <clears throat> I have a fave quote-unquote I'm a fan and I have a fave
0: yeah
1: um and that's what fandom does what you now see is you have like raving fans like raving quote-unquote lunatic fans that will watch pretty much anything that's you know their faves put out um it's not really necessarily about the quality of the work it's not necessarily about the storyline it's not necessarily about anything but the followership yeah so that's what I, I I'm coining as cloud watching, and then also, um, if it's something that is just over overhyped and greatly hyped by your faves or certain people, you're like, oh, I'm going to go and see it. Not necessarily because the truth is, people go out there sometimes to watch it and realize oh, it wasn't that great, but they don't care because you know they don't care. I've mm. gone, I've had a good laugh. My faves were in it, and that's that. So we're seeing, we're seeing that phase, also in Nigeria where the good stories and the good quality work and i mean absolute good quality work is still being trumped by the clout watching and i won't i will just give you a practical example milkmaid
0: yeah
1: this is a movie that is making it to the oscars how many people want to see it not many people want to see milkmaid mm. not many people really even you know
0: that some issues with the um census board. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but before that there was a period where it, when it was showing because I, I saw the ads that they were showing and I didn't see the gen I didn't see the buzz to go see it as I would see one of these movies that has like I said people's face that they, yeah. you know, they clamor to go see. And another thing again is back to the issue of publicity. You know, we're at that phase where there's some like um the the industry is very interesting right now. They're like giants, and they're like Goliath, and um, they're like the Goliaths, and then like they're like the Davids, you know. <laughs> that let me just put it that way. Yeah. So they're like the ones that are really, really aggressive in their marketing, as long as it's their project and all of that, hmm. and then there are those that are not as aggressive or cannot match the aggression from certain other parties. So. I just hope that we get to the point where it's a more level playing field, yeah. and that just good work—it doesn't matter from what, what quarter it comes from, whether or not it's from the ruling party <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or it comes from a you know a renowned clique or whatever let just give the good work a shot you yeah. know give them the same equal level playing field and great platform that you, as you would all these other movies that just sometimes have an ensemble cast but just really no 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 major nothing major you know no major content really yeah. I, I i don't know how else to describe it but that's we're going through that phase you know yeah. that's what, what i see so that's what i meant by cloud watching
0: Okay, I think it's it's a bit tricky because, um, you know, you talked about the uh, marketing, there's that disconnect with what people put into marketing, and Mm. then there's the collusion on the distribution Mm end, their favorites, exactly. There's my friend, and Mm -hmm. I don't know you, so all that kind of you know doesn't work out for you know, kind of the best kind of work coming out, doesn't. yeah
1: it doesn't
0: and i mean maybe at some point it's about because i think um with distribution hollywood went through this phase at some point and they had to set up like legislation and a lot of the studios had to divest from exhibition and all Mm -hmm. that and um, maybe i mean well it's, it's definitely not working for the filmmakers right now maybe yeah. this is what is going to to push us for finally velocity, yeah, push us further. Yeah. and yeah i don't i don't think we have that many options it has it has already worked for america mm-hmm. we might as well try it and see yeah. what works for us um yeah you're <coughs> a marketing pr and advertising practitioner
1: yeah i yeah, am i mentioned that did no, i no
0: but i <laughs> found it out
1: i am actually yeah I so am um,
0: can you break it down to us like to actually kind of get out there you know knowing the nigerian terrain Mm -hmm. like what do you need to do to actually get your film out there Mm -hmm. for people to know that yeah it's in the cinemas it's on these platforms like come and check it out
1: okay so basically they've mapped out some specifics um specific specific routes to market in advertising we see above the line and below the line that's just you know like um above the line would be things like Billboards, um, visual TV visuals, and all of that below the line would probably be like print, yeah. and then the smaller, not smaller, but just the other platforms that are just not as loud and as, you know, visible as the billboards.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, what you need to do is, thankfully, right now um, the distributors have worked out. Currently, they have worked out um, some kind of arrangements they have with all these ad agencies. Um, and all the people that can give you exposure. So based on your budget,
0: mm.
1: when you're making your movie and you're counting your costs and creating a budget, please budget for your publicity. Don't play with it. Budget for your publicity. Because once you do that, you keep that aside, They thankfully, you don't have to do the groundwork anymore. Right now, what you need to do is Get the distributors to give you a breakdown of the platforms that they can cover and yeah. they cover a lot So they will, you know based on there's a minimum that you you can get you, they'll give you XYZ maybe billboards um, um, Ads maybe TV radio ads things like that it, Even in there it, of course in cinema um, ads and things like that. Yeah. Now, but based on the minimum you can afford, which they will give you, they'll peg it at the figure So say, maybe we we, do, we can't go below XYZ amount for your, your publicity, it's standard. And then based on that, they give you a breakdown of what exactly you can get, what you can access with that amount of money. And you should be able to access a lot from TV, um, from billboards to, of course, the in-cinema, in-cinema um, ads previews. Yeah. Um, some people go TV radio. Some people go TV radio. Um, but I've seen that in most cases, it's kind of like maybe um, an individual e- effort and attempt um, to do that. But I'm sure that the distributors can handle that as well. Okay. Um, down to even print, of course. You know, um, in your your um, newspapers and all of that, people focus focus a lot on um, social media. They go digital because they feel that the audience um, is much younger, and um, that's where they they get their audiences from. But not always. Digital is great, It's great, is great, is great. But in the same vein, it has its cliffhangers because you have, like I said, in this era, I mean, there's a very popular, I don't even want to talk about the blogs and the critics. Yeah. But there's, you know, for filmmakers, there's a popular um, page that people would usually go to to check out, you know, the feedback on movies and sometimes it's accurate and sometimes it's not yeah so that's why it's important to not limit yourself to those kinds of things because you miss out on a great opportunity to go see something new and what in in turn that also damages someone's business you know and it costs people so i always try to say don't base your don't base your um your decision to go see a movie on the critics alone yeah do your research and just make it make an informed decision i will give you an example years ago like over a decade ago there was a very popular movie critic um platform on cnn called titled um called he said she said i don't know if you ever caught it Mm -hmm. but it was it was a movie critic um platform or show on cnn very very popular very popular and it was based on the movie they actually there was a movie title he said she said and you know they made it into the cinema cnn show not the same actors obviously presenters but i say this i saw the the review of matrix it was horrible yeah. the review of matrix keanu reeves oh, they bashed keanu they bashed larry fishburne they bashed so many people elizabeth perkins was the one it was elizabeth perkins and kevin bacon and he said she said that was the movie yeah. then the, the, they now made it into issue on cnn and i think the girl's name was lena something and i can't remember the guy's name okay it was this so, an old thingy anywho they bashed matrix so hard that i was like yay i'm not seeing this movie i think it finally took me a year to yeah. watch matrix and i was i i cannot was i that the first one yes the first matrix they bash it so had here here we have another movie about a messiah coming to blah 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 da, da, da. it is a typical old fashioned da, 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 da. same thing and then, and the life um life fishburn is kind of like the Works. one that Lawrence Fishburne, sorry, yeah, it's still Larry. Lawrence Larry, yeah, we used to call him Larry Fishburne before we became okay. Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> you know, and 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 Lawrence Fishburne is the the the, the, the one that kind of like paves the way. I think they even called him like a John the Baptist type of thing, and yeah. he was like the, the the Messiah. And I was just watching. I mean, I was I think I was in like secondary school or so, but I was just like, what the, why now? You know. And then it took me like a year to watch this Matrix. I was like. My chest, I was so mad. I was so mad. I was like, How can you this? Because I loved everything about the movie,
0: yeah,
1: from the storyline to the plot. I had never, and I, I try not to say, Oh, this movie is different. I, it's one thing you hear come out of my mouth. I don't say it. I try to look for another word, another way to describe it because mm, I feel that word as it, it <laughs> because I think they've destroyed that different It's so different. Mm-mm. Think come up with another adge- adjective. Yeah. So I was like, mm, This is a really, I had it was. I hadn't really seen storylines like that concepts like that you know even the visual effects everything about it
0: yeah.
1: and i was like how how, how how could you knock this movie and make me not watch it for like a whole year so ever since then i just i kind of take critics critics with a pinch of salt i always want to see for myself yeah i always want to see for myself so that's something that i think people shouldn't buy but i think that's what people should learn because in this industry, you also have people that people can be paid to badmouth you. Mm-hmm. It's a source of livelihood to get bad press. Yeah. It's it's not a big deal. So, back to your question on publicity, um, I would say it still falls down uh, to having a, a a robust budget,
0: yeah,
1: a bulky budget, so that you can cover every single um, um ad platform available. You can have everything you know available. Even down to getting brand ambassadors outside your film, you know? Getting people to just talk about it, going for your meet and greets. All these little things. Yeah. And another thing, if you're going to... I know that you paid the actor to, to do it, to make the movie. But if you're going to get them to do the PR post, all of that, you as a producer need to work that into your contract. I've seen that happen so many times where people don't work it work things like that so you know duties outside production because these guys have a day job they have lives they have things other things that they're going to do so you need to ensure you work on your schedule give them a timeline and let everybody just you know work in sync and think you're going to go here don't wait till after your show when they don't need you anymore
0: yeah
1: you get what i'm saying when they don't need you anymore you're not gonna say please edge you'll not be like when they don't want to help you like you're in the movie it's your movie no what you should have done was lock them in from the initial contract. Get them to commit, whatever it is, include it in your fees. Tell them um, you're going to get XYZ amount of money for doing this amount of publicity. And if you default, let's say you have five steps. One, you're doing the radio trips. Two, you're doing the the print houses. Three, you're doing maybe TV. Four, you're doing meet and greet at cinemas. And you tell them, you for, for XYZ, you get this amount of money, this amount of money, this amount of money. And for everyone that you default, you don't get the money.
0: Yeah.
1: You don't. And at the end of the day, you give them... You know, when they finish the work, you give them their due. That way, you don't feel robbed. I see a lot of people do that all the time. And some, arts, some actors just have no conscience. They don't care. Really and truly, they just don't care. My work is done with you. I do not owe you anymore. I'm just going to move along to my next project and my next shoot. Yeah. You get some actors are very gracious and are very very you know kind and considerate and are passionate to the end they will work with you look even if it's next year you come and say listen something came up but we need you back they will just you know there are people like that but there are some people that you need to basically just hold that jugular and say yo um this is how it's going to we're laying it out and it has to start it has to go back to the contract yeah that way they're committed to seeing it to the end. It's just something that I am throwing out there because I realize that some people don't always do that from the inception. And that's when and that's when you now have another problem. You're trying to do your meet and greet. You say you're going to bring actors. People don't see your actors. Or you go on the actor's Instagram page. Your movie is going to be in cinemas next week and you don't see a single post. Yeah, And they'll be like, what, well, You didn't pay me to be advertised? You know those little things. Normally out of, you know, at the end of the day you're benefiting too you're the face of the movie yeah. the, the 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 normal idea idea is it's your movie too anyway i'm not the one featuring it's your face everybody's going to go and see you and at the end of the day you're the one that gets to win you know best actor or whatever at least that should be the the mindset but not for everyone
0: yeah
1: some people are not that passionate i really don't care i'm done i'm done i'm moving on to the next you know so it's these are just little there are little ways to make sure that you have the cooperation and support of everyone in your project and then, because the more the merrier, if you have all your actors, your cast and crew on board to help you with your publicity, that's like eighty percent of your work done, really. Yeah. So these are just little important things that people need to, to bear in mind when they're trying to push for their publicity.
0: Yeah. So um, going back to the one about um, having robust budgets mm-hmm. and distributors actually putting in the work, mm-hmm. like. I've heard from like a lot of people that have released films and cinemas. That mm. so basically this whole cinema thing is, I I see it in its most elementary level. It's a three way split. So the production company, the distribution company, the exhibition company. Mm-hmm. Most distributors in Nigeria also exhibit. Mm-hmm. So um, for the distribution part of it, it's a case of, okay. Um, you come to us to distribute your movie, we're going to put in some money for um, print and advertising, Mm -hmm. publicity. And then when your movie gets into the cinemas, Mm -hmm. we're going to be taking these amounts, this percentage Mm -hmm. to make our money back. Possibly make a profit. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a case of, most of them don't do the work but mm-hmm. they still take that percentage
1: um is this a percentage for publicity or a percentage for um exhibition
0: so so the percentage <coughs> of distribution so distribution is essentially like yeah getting the word out there and mm-hmm. also um i guess let's say striking the deals okay with. so
1: this is what i did yeah <clears throat> and i'm surprised that um this is even coming up because everybody should be able to, if you want a distributor to to um, push your film, as yeah. they should, and you've signed your contract, and you've paid the necessary sums, oh, you need by all means to get it in writing just how much work is being done. So how many billboards am I getting? In which and how many states? That's what I did. Yeah. I got all the information, how many billboards am I getting, how many states, I got people in the different states to take pictures and send to me as evidence that I had, you know, billboards in these places. Yeah. How many BRT buses am I getting? In how many states? I see BRT buses and I take pictures. Also, timing is of of the essence. So it, it doesn't help if you put the BRT buses out 24 hours to my release. Yeah. There has to be the time factor. How many weeks in advance, does, or months in advance, does the promotion start? Does the publicity start? All these things, you need to, you cannot just drop money. And I'm, I'm referring to people that actually pay for publicity,
0: yeah.
1: not people that negotiate some kind of deal, because it's harder for you to um, hold anyone accountable when you're not paying. For these services now if you're paying in full for these services because I am assuming that they basically gave you a package you can get XYZ, the XYZ platforms for this amount you can get X this is the minimum that we're working with I'm assuming that that's where you got from your distributor mm-hmm. now if you paid for anything at all you will have to ask for a breakdown of every single thing form of exposure that you're getting down to social media Yeah. So, how many posts am i getting on social media how many times a day um even down to in cinema previews and all of that how many times a day are you showing like they'll tell you every time we're showing a blockbuster movie it's going to screen or you know what we're screening uh eight to nine times today and every time we screen a movie we're screening a movie ten times today and every time we screen a movie your ad is going to pop up these are the little things that you know and you document
0: yeah
1: so that at the end of the day you get to measure it's a lot of work, oh! You get to measure you, you. basically what? What? What does that mean? And measuring what? How? Okay, now you're in. You're in cinema ads and all that. You're probably going to have to be there every time,
0: yeah.
1: Or you're going to have sent or have someone else monitor for you every single time to make sure that your ad pops up when it's when it should pop up. You I have mean, to,
0: all this in my houses. In all <laughs> the
1: cinema houses in yeah. all the cinema houses you have to make sure that you hear but here's how it works if it shows um before a certain movie it, because it's cute and all of that most chances are it's, it's going to run yeah. all day they're not going to they can't you know take that one strip out of the the reel that they've already set to run for the day so chances yeah. are if, they, if you saw it in the morning you probably see it in the evening Really. Yeah. It's either you're seeing it or you're not seeing it at all. They really can't manipulate it like that, at least not yet. So, um but make sure that you have this on paper that you document, just you know, so that you don't go and say, oh, they didn't. They said they we're going to give me billboard. They didn't. They said I was going to see my stuff on BRT. Or you you see it the day after it starts showing. Okay. You know, what's the point? Your movie has premiered. People, your BRT now comes out a, a few days after.
0: And by that time, the um, numbers are not time, good. By that time, numbers are not good. They are pushing you out of the You ceremony. want to
1: be able to, your first opening weekend is your most important weekend of your
0: movie.
1: Yeah. It's the most important weekend. So uh, filmmakers need to learn to hold their distributors accountable. And they should not be afraid to demand for some kind of, I don't want to say demand, but negotiate a detailed plan. I noticed that some people kind of shy away from these things. Okay, we paid for it and that's all that matters. Yeah. They will handle it. No, they will not handle it. They have five million and one things on their hands. So, um, if you do not show some kind of interest to want to hold them accountable, they will kind of feel that you don't really care and other things will creep up. Don't forget that we're still in an industry where distributors are also exhibitors and things like that. So, it's it's so hard to balance you know what becomes priority and what isn't yeah so you have to do your own part to make sure that you're on top of your own project and you're on top of your own things because the truth is at the end of the day it is your project and it is your baby
0: yeah.
1: and no one can take care of your baby more than you that's the truth yeah. so yeah
0: all right so you have also been active on the theater scene mm-hmm, i have so what? have you worked
1: on? Um, I've worked on a few things actually. Um, it started out from when I was in uni again. I've been part of, I don't there's Yibo Koko's Ensemble, which is called Yib's Ensemble. Um, it's a very popular, it's, he's based in River State, but he's done tours all around the world. Yeah. Um, his last show was sponsored by the U.S. Embassy and it's titled Seki, okay. which basically talks about the history of um, tap dance and how it originated from the, ijo dance moves so that's been a very interesting um um, production i wasn't part of seki but i've been part of his other productions when i was in school so that's how i started with the whole theater production but my most recent work um was kakadu which is a musical slash stage play i didn't feature in it i was a project manager and we had a 50 plus man cast Um, and i was given the arduous task of planning our tours to South Africa yeah. which was a lot of work so but it was very successful um, within record time thankfully I was able to arrange for the necessary meetings with um, the South African ambassador and the attaches um, great meeting my boss was so happy the executive producer was so happy and um, in a bit of, in about a week um, in last about a week a space of a week anyway we were able to get our visas for about 50 plus people um we got to South Africa the show was at the Joburg theater this was the very first Nigerian musical very first Nigerian theater production to ever show in South Africa at the Joburg theater the first Nigerian export to South Africa period um it was great we were on you know the TV stations uh, NBC um all the radio shows um you know, had us over, it was great, young talent, um, great musical, um, very, very passionate story about um, Lagos prior to the Biafran War, yeah. so it's a, it was a historical piece, and uh, very moving, and um, I really think that Nigeria needs more stories like that, and more productions like that, because I tell you, the South Africans, the love we got, you know, we had people coming over to say, please, can we, just, can I take you on home? And just cooked dinner for all of you and you know it was such an emotional journey people were weeping you know south africans were like they can relate oh this is the african story and um it was it was an amazing experience really was i enjoyed doing that so when i'm not doing the whole filmmaking um, production and everything else if you give me a great stage play theater production i would
0: gladly jump on it i totally would okay so let's talk about that man Okay. Um, you produced the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, why? why what, what? was so special about the story that you wanted to make it?
1: Okay. Um, so it was a, it was a very interesting story to me. Um, because <clears throat> I had seen that situation happen so many times: love in the friend zone, love and the friend zone. And um, I felt it was just very relatable, and I felt that every single person had been through that kind of situation, either as the uh, either as the guy, male lead, or the female lead. Everyone can identify to that one friend that shouldn't have been in friend zone, yeah. and that kind of situation. And I just thought it was a lighthearted, you know, um, it's not coming of age, but it was a lighthearted, uh, fun rom-com. rom-com. Um, <clears throat> what I also did was I tried to make it from the guy's perspective.
0: Yeah.
1: So we try to make you know the the make you sympathetic towards the guy because usually in a lot of rom coms they kind of center it around women and how it happens but <laughs> this time was from the guy's perspective so everybody was rooting for the guy and everybody was like the girl is stupid so I really like that um, yeah and I just thought it would be a nice uh, the most important thing was I had done my research with the with the distributors asked a few questions yeah. and they basically told us back then that the highest grossing movies at the time were rom-coms, target audience age between I think 18 and 35 um, and the clientele, the, the audience was made up largely of women. Yeah, So I had to look for a movie that fit this profile, that you know could help deliver to this audience. So that's that's why i decided okay so i think the first foot forward it would be diamond because i think the rest of i think the other stories i have are not even rom-coms they're very i don't know what to call them but they're not, they're not rom-coms mm. although my next project is kind of like a romantic fantasy it's like a fantasy but um guy Man is like the cheesiest i've ever done and mm. i hope it is the cheesiest i ever do <laughs> really yeah. so yeah so this we got an AMBC nomination for that, by the way. Congrats. So, I mean, we didn't win, but... Yeah, but
0: there's what, no what um, category? Best
1: male. Best male in a comedy or a TV series. Nice. Which was, for me, a super big deal, because it was my first outing, first yeah. movie um, ever feature. So, it was just really... I felt like it was a huge backpack, you know, so... Yeah, it encourages, it encourages you and makes you feel like okay, we're on the right track. We'll just keep at it and do better and be better and all of that. So yeah.
0: Okay, so um, this this um, new project you're working on, what's what part, um, what stage of production is it? Um, I
1: let's say we're in pre-pro. Let's say we're in pre-pro. Okay.
0: Um. And the script is ready.
1: Oh yeah, script all done. we've cast some people say <laughs> we've done casting for yeah. some people um, we're just it's the usual Nollywood Nigerian filmmaking thing, you're waiting for your complete funding and all of yeah. that but yeah, we've done people um, to a large extent, like 80% done um, casting like I said, 80% done, location rec is 80% done, however some things came up with location, yeah. um, I might have a an EP that wants something grander so we're just on standby waiting for feet for so the reverts to know yeah where we're we shooting is it here is it out there you know how what's the way forward so that's yeah. where we're at right now
0: and then you're producing this yes i am okay. i'm
1: producing this really nice. excited though really excited
0: yeah can't wait thank to you see it on thanks yeah all right um you were you had you had Maybe you still have a life, or you had a life on the live music scene.
1: Yes! Oh my god! Sela <laughs> so is, so is on the roll. Yes, I, I, I did slash do. I do slash did. Yeah, exactly. both. Yes to both. I did and I do. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> so how's that going?
1: <clears throat> so, I've been on a hiatus for about a year now. Okay. I started doing it as far back as, um, where are in now? Let's say 2010. Um, but then I was more like a participant for like the first two years. I just go and you know we jam with the live band. It's this place in Lagos called Bogoberry House. It's yeah. pretty popular, and we just jam and then from like i think from like twenty twelve um I was approached by the management to start hosting the shows, so it was the first in Lagos, like no girls had energy to be doing all of that. Yeah. So what happens is it's an open mic night um, and then we had like singers, live musicians, there's always a live band, resident live band on ground and then you have singers, musicians, poets, all kinds of people, actors, people come to skits, they come to comedy and it became like a, it became this really huge hub. Like when I mean huge hub, it kind of grew beyond what we had imagined. So bad that if I, or rather it was so good that I had people calling in from embassies you know, to make reservations, um, I would have people from, like, notable embassies called say, okay, so, so uh, the Batcha guys are just leaving, and we want to bring the new guys in to just show them the Lagos experience, and we're thinking we want to reserve, like, 20, ta- 20 chairs, yeah. you know, just show them around Lagos. You think you could? I'm like, yeah, sure. You And it comes through. Um, I met loads of people from that, and you have to understand that I had a 95 job, you yeah. know, so but it wasn't it didn't affect at all my point is in that creative space in that creative hub I met more CEOs I met more diplomats I met more you know blue collar people than I ever did in my entire 95 run it was fascinating so what would happen is maybe I'm going for a meeting at work maybe we're going for like a work presentation I'll never forget this one that we went for a work presentation when i was at cool fm and we are going to i think it was for praise jam one of our shows should i be mentioning these brands i don't know <laughs> should i shouldn't mention these brands? i don't know <laughs> <laughs> anywho so we were going for um one of the presentations with one of the potential sponsors it was yeah. for one of our shows i can't remember which anymore to be honest and the guy was like okay so you come see the ceo he was spanish I think his name was, I can't remember his name, but it was Spanish. Yeah. So we're like, come see the CEO and and the guy was sound like the CEO was this really not strict, but you know, he just had this reverence, like, come see the CEO. Like hmm. so they're like six of us from the office, and we walk into the CEO's office and he turns he swivels around in his chair and he looks directly at me and goes, Hey, it's Bogoberry Berry! <laughs> and everyone just is gonna be like are you serious <laughs> <That's> right <Yeah. laughs> it was the funniest it was the funniest thing ever it became like the ice it was like how are you doing come and sit down i haven't seen you in so long yeah i've been busy you know working and 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 the guy even the guy is looking at me excited like what so you knew my boss i'm like yo i didn't know this was your boss you yeah. know i had no idea it was him yeah. because we we all meet in a totally different relaxed environment when they come in they don't They're not trying to say, this is who I am. This is what I do. They come in. Some of them actually would, some CEOs would come in with bodyguards.
0: Yeah.
1: No, I kid you not. They would come in with bodyguards. But at that point in time, they just want to unwind. They take their ties off, take their shirts off. I mean, their suits off. Jackets off, you know, fold up your sleeves. And you just want to relax, drink wine, listen to music, sing like a silly person. And just, you know, let your hair down. Which is, that was what we were offering at Open Mic. That was the idea. That was my goal. I would always say that you guys work-life balance is super important when you come in just let your hair down and just do your thing and you have a great time yeah. and i guess another thing was maybe because i also worked a day job
0: yeah
1: kind of made it d- different for them because they're like yo she works like a, g-, you know she's like us but she still makes all time to come sing with band because i would sing my lungs out Sing for hours. It's like a proper proper show. Yeah. You know, I've I, I have I've had a few people from Abuja come through my show. Um, Jessica, you know, Jessica Pongo, she has like yeah. a live show now here in Abuja. She she would make out time whenever she was in Lagos to come to me and just chill. Yeah. I've met like so many people from there. You know, so it's it's very interesting. Really, it's been a very interesting ride.
0: With ninety five and then this, how how was your work life balance?
1: Oh man, you know. The thing the good thing about work is that um it's very regimented. Yeah. Mm. So you have your deliverables. I know that by XYZ time I meant to, to to turn this in. By XYZ time I meant to turn this in. It wasn't anything, there wasn't there weren't so many new ad hoc things. Mm. It was basically regimented and repetitive. Yeah. So especially for the work that I was doing in Kobec. Corporate- comes then. So you work with timelines, you have a calendar. I'm also a certified project manager. So mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, you work with timelines, you have a calendar and you meet your deliverables. Mm-hmm. For someone like me, I am nocturnal. So I would if I didn't have to do anything like my shows, I would work like later into the day just mm-hmm. to make sure that I meet up. But then once I'm done, my show was weekly. So once I was done I just head to my show and I um, I said to see there are people there that had no idea that i had a day job mm. there are people there were people there that just assumed i was a full-time musician i was just a creative that you know a girl that sang at this spot
0: yeah. and
1: that's all i did for a living there are people there that just you know it was really interesting mm. <laughs> it was it really was yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so seeing your connection to music, um, is a musical on the table in Thompson?
1: Yes, actually. Um, this project that I said I'm working on we're in pre pro. So it's kinda like a you know, like a pantomime, like all these pantomimes and we're working on like an adaptation of it to make it like an African put an African spin on it. Yeah. So um in addition to that, I'm exploring an entire universe. So we're looking at theatre, stage plays slash yeah. musicals. Um, animations, musicals, um, and then just all these other, you know, interpretations of it. So comics, you can't sing in that one, but you know, illustrations and things like that. So yes, so for the stage play and for the um, animation, there will be music, like lots of music. It's going to, we're just making it into like a proper musical. So you have like singing in
0: between,
1: oh. uh-huh. <laughs> and all of that. Yeah. And you're singing. That's the plan. I'm trying to. I'm trying to get to that phase where I can incorporate both of them. What I do for now is I try to be part of the um, sound design and soundtracking process. Yeah. So I always just throw songs in there, compose music for the soundtrack, and, and that's how I try to infuse the music into filmmaking for now.
0: Yeah. And yeah, that's that's like. I mean, sound is 50%. So of course. Of you course. can always heighten the experience. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you knew you wanted to be a musician since mm-hmm. when you were little.
1: Yeah. What? How did you know that? <laughs> what the? What's going on? Yes, I always knew I was going to sing. Always, always. Because yeah. um, I just enjoyed it. Like, I think when I was like one, two, did you see 1000 Years BC with Raquel Welch? That's mm-hmm. Her name, I got yeah. This is very very, very old movie, 1000 years BC. I'll be one million years BC. My parents used to watch it a lot, so it had this incredible soundtrack. It's just a hum
0: ooh,
1: god, I still remember it. Wow, anyways, it goes ooh, 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 ooh. something like that. And two, this is like me, age two. After my parents watch it, I'll just sit in the corner and I would hum it all day, the same in the sequence that it went. So I overheard my aunt talking to my... No, I think maybe like three, four. Yeah. I overheard my aunt talking to my dad. She said, "Oh, has a nice voice. And I was like, yeah, I know. She says, no, 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 you don't understand. She has a very nice voice. And she mimics sounds. You know, they were just talking. I yeah. was like... So and they didn't, you know, nobody discouraged me. So yeah. by the time I was like six, seven, my mom got us a piano tutor. So I learned how to play And the thing about piano tutors that people don't know is that they're very strict. If you're learning classical, Um, if you're learning classical pieces and that's what they teach they don't teach contemporary in fact they're almost snobs it, it just pray that you have a nice music teacher but some of the music teachers the ones that are classical people they're like snobs they won't teach you how to sing rihanna's mandan what the hell are you singing yeah. they go and play mozart or bath or something else that's yeah. what they would, you know want you to learn so um i said i started learning some classicals using small woods is a very very popular um um book for people that learn how to play so i use my small woods and this guy was not teaching me you know all the like raving songs of the time and if i try to learn how to play you say you're vamping stop vamping i'm like oh god this is not working this is not the kind of music that i want to sing so after a while i think like maybe a year two years of of just learning how to play classical pieces classical pieces classical pieces i just i got tired by the time i got in secondary school like my js one and my music teacher will come i'm like i'm tired and i had to go to boarding house and things like that so i just left that and but it was good because it gave me like my foundation of understanding music yeah. and all of that and then of course um you start singing in church and um, it just evolved from there yeah. you know but I'm, I'm grateful that at least i learned how to play it was yeah. super important
0: you know yeah i was, I was about to ask um <laughs> Like, how how your family supported you? Yeah. But okay. how, how do you think, like, how important do you think that support was?
1: Oh, my God. So, um, they, as in, nobody ever said, you sing too much, you know? Yeah. My dad was very show-offy. So, if he had all these, maybe, functions, um, he would drag us to play the keyboards. Yeah. You know, I have int- I have memories of him having all these functions with um, maybe like tree or one of them, and he would say, "Oh, my kids are coming to play, <laughs> my kids are playing." Yeah. So we'd play. I played the keyboards. My younger brother would sing. My sister would sing. And they're not. Bear in mind that these people are not the musicians in the family, yeah. but that's just how of how much of a all an all rounder he was. You know, he just. That was the pedigree that he liked. He was the one that made me fall in love with the theater. He would take you to the theater, leave my mom at home, take all the kids and say, OK, so yeah. So what he's doing right now, he'll be whispering. What he's doing right now is like a monologue. It's like a soliloquy. He's talking to himself. Hmm. And then after the show, he'll take you backstage and come meet my kids. You know, you shake everyone's hands. And then as I grew older, he started, he started making his own plays, you know, adapting plays. He'd come to my uni and hire students and I'd be hiding in embarrassment. Like, oh God, like, ah, your dad is so cool. We're working with him on this show. I'm like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. You know, I don't know why kids are like that. Anyway, but I'd be like, no, no, no. So he, my dad, my, my mom, they were like a hundred percent supportive. The only person I remember that even scared me a bit was my aunt when she asked me one time, "So what do you want to do? like have you decided what you want to do?" And I said, um, I want to be a musician. This was primary school, second like primary school. I want to be a musician." She said, mm, music. Mm, that's good. Mm, that's good. But um, you know what you do you go to school and you study and you become something else, maybe a lawyer, a doctor, engineer, then the musical go, is good, but yeah. you do it on the side, you know? So that kind of was what, cause Juggies were not like they were teaching music in schools anyway. Yeah. So I did go to school, did everything, got my degree, but I always, always, throughout that, I always did the singing thing on the side. I was yeah. in a choir. I think we were in a choir, we put out one album, put out two albums. In the, the church choir back then yeah. when I was in uni, so I've just always been very very involved in the music thing, yeah. and yeah, my parents were like super super encouraging.
0: Okay, um, you studied foreign languages and lit
1: and literatures, yes, yes. Yeah. Um,
0: what languages can you speak?
1: Um, I'm a French major, so I speak French. Uh, I speak in, in That means I speak I speak German as well a little. Um, those are my two majors and then um, literature French literature basically.
0: Yeah, which is uh-huh.
1: basically like world literature from a French perspective, but oh. <laughs> yeah Okay, so
0: how does how have you used that like in
1: your hey, work? It's been very okay. First of all, I do not encounter that many people that are linguists yeah. um, At my workplace, I was the only Nigerian that was bilingual So that got, uh, that, what that happened, what that afforded me was a lot of exposure with the foreign or non Nigerian colleagues. Um, If there was like an event happening and they needed a translator, I'd be on the plane out of Nigeria to
0: some,
1: you know, place. It afforded me, I got to travel around. I've even been to Lebanon, I've been to, no, I've been to Lebanon, but that was for the film festival. I've been to Jordan, you know, just some places that, In my wildest dreams, I wouldn't have just opted and said I wanted to go to. I went to Jordan. I think that was like one of the most amazing experiences for me. And that was for like a work function, and I was doing the translating as well. So that's like one of the most interesting places that I've been to that has been totally out of my scope. Like, nah, normally I wouldn't be going to Jordan, you know. Um, But yes, it was an amazing experience. So what what that's done is um, it's kind of afforded me... An opportunity that i probably wouldn't have had i interact very freely with francophone people um a lot of my colleagues were francophone back then because we had different offices around africa yeah. um and then the middle eastern bosses that we had back then when we were owned by um when the company was owned by um one was zane yeah. and the head office was in the middle east if they weren't speaking english they were speaking french and yeah. it, ironically a lot of them leaned more towards french so if you're not speaking Arabic, you're speaking French. So they were very, it was just, it was like a go-between. Um, it was It was just really, really nice to have someone that spoke a bit of everything except mm. Arabic. So I spoke French, I spoke English. And yeah, you'd be shocked just how many people don't care much for English. Mm. You'd be shocked in these environments. They don't just yeah. care much for English at all. So when they see that you speak French, they're like, oh, I speak French, I speak French. I'm like, yes, I'm very sure that I come from here.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: wow, impressionable. I'm like, yes, thank you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it, it's been very useful. Um, I will say that it also afforded me some kind of level of exposure. I had to do like a year abroad program in the country where French was the major language. Mm-hmm. And um, you get to see different cultures, lifestyles, meet different people of racism i think that everybody at some point in their life lives just needs to get out like and just experience different cultures and you realize that the world does not revolve around around nigeria i promise you even i'm not even talking go to the uk or canada just go next door to a west african country you'll be blown you will be blown by the lifestyle by what you see you will just be like (laughs) it's a very humbling experience really so yeah and i continue the french and the foreign languages um in my life you know they keep turning up to be useful if i need to do translations uh, even on film work if i need to help people Translate uh, uh, stuff into French. Mm-hmm. If you need a character, keep mm-hmm. je vais t'assister, t'assister avec ça. Mm-hmm. If you want someone that is a French speaking character, that's me. I'll go there and I'll speak my French and you'll be like, oh, are you Nigerian? Yes, I am Nigerian, but I speak French. And I can speak a bit of German too. So it helps, especially as a, if you're, you know, as a character and you're trying to. There was a character I played once, I considered giving her like a French francophone accent, but. We ended up not not going that
0: route. So okay.
1: yeah. Things like that, you know. It just gives you more range and depth, I guess.
0: Yeah. And I yeah. guess it also like improves your filmmaking, making your film Of more, course. Uh, Suitable to other cultures. Modern,
1: yeah. yeah, it does actually. It yeah. does. That's nice.
0: Um Thank you. you did the research for Rihanna.
1: Yes, I did the research for
0: Rihanna. Can you talk about that experience and break it down
1: for us. <sighs> okay, so um, part of my pastime involves uh, research. <laughs> I just do that because I think it started from the corporate space. Um, you always have to do a bit of research into, what into the material that you're putting out or if you're writing a memo or if you're doing anything at all. You know, there was always just some kind of need for research and not just evolved, I took it outside work. I (laughs) I started doing it in entertainment and things like that, Mm -hmm. and I was so thrilled. I was so thrilled when the amazing James O'Macuei buzzed me and said, okay, so I have this new project I'm working on. It's a 260 and I need you to to handle the story research. So it was, you know, I knew it was a lot of work, but I was just so excited because for me, these are things that give me joy. Like, listen, I, my response was, listen, whether or not I'm getting paid, you know me, I'll be doing research anyway, so yeah. I might as well just get paid for it. So yeah. I had to spend a whole week in worry. Um, I had to meet up with loads of people because this is like 12th century Shekiri yeah. culture. Um, we do not have, unfortunately, a lot of material, written texts or people to even speak with. Yeah. Um, yeah. The annoying thing was the people that we were speaking with, they just kept sending us to an era like that was I think the 15th century and nothing before that nobody had anything prior to that so it was a lot tougher so fortunately um i was able to get notes from the internet yay um on a lot of um missionary notes as well from people that had done you know missionary work people that had traveled yeah. and thankfully the region was not um back then was quite popular it's a minority region as as nigerians target now yeah. but but they had extensive work done um online they were like a lot of people that had come through back then their interaction to the portuguese and all of that was quite popular so we were able to glean off you know older notes like from the early people that came Mm -hmm. say about like 13th 14th century to give us an insight into how they were in uh, in the 12th century so um things like costuming um Crop set design, um, the lifestyle, culture points, tradition, religion, um, and a whole bunch of other things. Just you know, the overall way of life. Very interesting people, by the way. Like, even what we show now on on screen, it's not to me. You know, does not even still do does not reveal these amazing... If, because it's just so much that, you know, there was just so much of these people. Yeah. What you're seeing is even... And people are like, wow. I'm like, yo, listen, if we took our time to even dive and explain who these guys were, you'd just be blown, you know? So it's, it's, it's been an amazing journey. Um, I'm really grateful to James and the Verse team, Oye, um, Jamila, for trusting me with this. Because at some point, um, even the title Riona, I had to basically go and dig, you know, for for appropriate titles. There were some other things that I, some other um, terms that I came up with, yeah. but they wound up going with Riona. And I was really worried. <laughs> I was really, really worried because that's when the Rona happened. So, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, this yeah. is not and they were like, nah, it's fine. Nobody's going Nobody to... Nobody has
0: made the connection.
1: No, 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 no. Nobody's ever, like... Thankfully, but I was so worried. I was like, oh, God, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, like, of all things, you know? But um, no, it didn't affect, and it still hasn't. And if you're following it online, like I like I do, um, seeing the reaction and the, it's, it's, the feedback and the tweets and everything, very organic. I know they didn't do anything to create any social media followership and all of that. Mm-hmm. So, we get feedback a lot from people watching and I'm just very, I just watch it and I smile. It's like watching your baby grow, yeah. you know? <laughs> and yeah, people just give us feedback and it's always great feedback, at least for the most part. So, people are quite happy with the, the overall presentation of it and that's for me what, what really matters, okay. yeah.
0: I mean, with your research, what, what do you do when you're not coming up with any leads?
1: Um, that's a tough question. Well, if you have the most important thing is you need to item itemize everything. You always pop up with something. If it's like culture points, you know, um, how do the women wear their hair? You know. Mm-hmm. Um if you can't find anything in that culture, look at look at the neighboring cultures. That's what I, I did with Riona with um, the Ishekiri culture, I looked at the neighboring cultures, um, the Jaws, the Urubos. Um, I looked at their own historical accounts of the Ishekiris. Were there wars? What caused the wars? You know, you just start digging around. Were there yeah. wars? What caused the wars? From the other person's perspective, how do you describe these guys? Um, It's in the course of all of that that I even found out that Apparently Bini people went into war at some point and they sent over ten thousand soldiers. I was like, whoa That's a lot, you know, so um, because in your mind you're seeing them as like a small Small entity right now, but back then to be able to send like over ten thousand troops to support Bini Yo, that's massive, you know, so little things like that just other people's accounts neighbors What were the women like? What was the lifestyle? Um were they polygamous yeah. were they you know all those were they matriarchs or patriarchs? all those things are really important, you know, like was it a matri- was it a matriarchal society or a patriarchal society? who were like the dominant um genders you know just all these little things yeah. I try to what did they eat you know what did they eat what were the occupations um and by the by the time you ask all these things it's like a um it's kind of like a ripple effect one thing leads to the other
0: mm.
1: even the hairstyles that you see here the, the actual hairstyles that we got in
0: eh? <laughs> very complex
1: whoa it was like some 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 were shaved on the sides some were dyed red how are you going to explain that
0: yeah.
1: how are you going to explain that the walls the walls were not meant to be clay red clay but the walls were meant to be white clay that shone so bright that you could, when polished, they looked like mirrors. You could see your reflection as mirrors. Mm. Who is going to believe you? But yet, this was what the accurate historical texts were saying. And these mm. were like missionaries, people like DAPA, people that are very noted. And this is how, this is how they were describing the, the people and this is their lifestyle. It was not, how are you going to tell people that they had street lamps? Even my... The guys that I was working with on set, the production guys had a hard time believing. I'm like, yo man, that's what the text says. Yeah. They didn't have like clay the clay houses, you know, village setting that you always see that we always just think that everybody had thatched houses and Mm-mm. it wasn't really like that. Some people had clay as a coating over the white clay. Yeah. So when you wipe off the white clay, you would see when you wipe off the red clay, you will now see the white clay. But the predominant um element that went into building the house was actually white clay you know and then of course how was i going to explain their interactions with their mythical gods you know they had mythical characters they had giants Mm. called the how was i going to explain all these things you know they had it was a fascinating story i did you know i i did present all of this but at the end of the day there is a story to consider there's a budget to consider And there's so much you have to consider that you know there's there's only so far you can go with telling a story so um they were able to still come up with a story sequence woven around the culture and everything else and then some some elements just had to go they're like yo maybe we shouldn't you can't budgets will not allow vfx issues you know all those (laughs) all those things so yeah but it was it was a fascinating ride um i'm always happy to do stuff like that yeah. Always. I'm. Always, it's a listen, it's to keep me up. Oh. I won't sleep for nights and all of that, but I'm always just, I like to learn. I really, really like to learn. I never get tired of learning, so I think I'm the first spectator, me, I'm the first spectator. And then when I get everything, I'm not like, do you know that they had this, you know, I'm just showing you everything. Like, Can you imagine? I'm yeah. always, it's, it's. and it's kind of infectious. So, you know, by the time we have the writers' conference and I'm talking and I'm explaining and I'm gesticulating when they're like, wow, you're like, you're really into this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah," you know. But it's great because people, the, the same energy, people take on the same energy and you go back and you just come up with something really beautiful. And yeah, so that was my Rihanna journey and um, it was amazing.
0: It was. What's one um, either movie or TV series that, you would want to keep watching if you're stuck on an island.
1: I would say Rihanna. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I'm being partial, but I love the story. Listen, I do know the story sequence. I know what happens in certain cases, and I, but I still, I'm just fascinated by the interpretation. Yeah. I love what I see on the screen. It's 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 really, you know, for me, a very fascinating story, um, to watch unfold. That's one. Another would be Bo,
0: okay.
1: Michael Weatherly it's a legal series it's a legal um legal drama series i really really like it because um his perspective to life. he drops a lot of nuggets and he teaches um so much on people analysis in the course of the i like their approach to you know telling us about different people personalities what's going on in the world different mindsets it becomes like a like uh, an expose of um breaking down human psychology it's a very interesting it, it on the surface is very normal
0: yeah
1: but by the time you take your time and watch it you're like hmm is that what that's called you know he takes time to drop nuggets every now and then we need people that are like empathic what's What? what, what. So you're like what's that it's like you know people that see things and they feel you and you are like Oh, I didn't know that there was a term for that. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that people even knew what that was, you know. So it's very, um, for me, it's very enlightening. I, I could watch it I have, like, all the seasons. They just started season five. I saw it yesterday. I was like, yes, yes, season five. So, yeah, I really like both. I used to like Bones. Yeah. I used to love Bones. What happened? But it, was, it became too morbid. The, it, was, it became too morbid for me as in I'd watch it and I'd be like, that don't look fake. <laughs> I saw one skull once and I was like, that flesh on the skull doesn't look fake. What's going on with you guys? Some people are not taking me to real bugs. Yeah. I keep it it's freaking me out. I was like, nah. But I still love bones. Other than the morbidity of it and the whole their, their knack for being very precise with their corpses and their cadavers and all of it. Yeah. I love the storyline. I love ah. I love Boone's personality. Um, what's her name again? Uh Thingy Sister. Um what's her face? Um, this girl sister now. Um, I can't believe I can't believe it's left me. Anyway, her. Yeah. I find her personality very interesting. Um her character is interesting. She's um, very awkward. She's she's socially awkward and I don't think that she knows how awkward she is. Yeah. Um but then again, it's her background. It's it's based on her background and her upbringing. And it's because it's that they don't tell us the background and you have to keep guessing. You know, but she just seems like the like a like a product of some kind of weird programming i don't know but it's just you know it's it's, it's, it's right. to see yeah it's, it's fascinating to watch she yeah. the character the character she plays because she does it so convincingly well she does it so well like mm. she, like she's you know like she was raised in a in a, in a square you know yeah, oh I, I i'm very they say oh bones they're looking at you because you look you know they think you're oh they think you're beautiful yeah i'm very
0: beautiful uh-huh
1: she has said it yeah. i'm I'm very i'm very attractive to look at she's very um what's the word it, 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 it's socially awkward yes but she she clearly grew up in a bubble yeah and just doesn't she has like zero social s- skills zero zero she has none so as she's as it's as she's seeing it She's talking, you know, you're not very good at managing people. You know, she just, you know, she just lacks tact in the cutest way. Yeah. And I, I like to see that because I know that there are people like that, but I just don't get to see them up and on screen. Yeah. So,
0: okay. So, um, not only with this growing, um, mm-hmm. there are a lot of things we can improve or, you um, know, totally overhaul. Mm-hmm. I was. Um, The biggest thing for you
1: (sighs) things that could be totally overhauled
0: or improved or
1: improved on
0: yeah
1: i hate the and i don't like to use the word hate but i don't appreciate the the silo system i don't appreciate the clicks i don't i don't i see that where at that phase where um it's the same old same old you're not making you're not giving room to the new, and you're not making room for talent. Yeah. Um, I hate that. Let me stop saying I hate. I I'm not very proud of the fact that, um, to a large extent till now, a lot of creative people, talented people, do not get the, their flowers, um, do not get the shots, do not get the shots at you know featuring in proper lead roles and all of that. It's still that culture of, to a large extent, that culture of who you know and your long leg i hate i totally do not respect that that's why you see over and over again you see the same faces over and over again getting the same gigs getting the same jobs i'm like you're not going to see anything different you're what you're doing is you're holding people in a hostage situation you're holding people in a hostage you're telling us that listen you have nothing else to offer and this is all you have to offer and whether you guys like it or not you must you must you must gorge on it yeah you know so I don't like that about the system. That's the first thing I don't like. The second thing I don't like is I don't like this I don't like the idea that it is only your people or your project that gets the most publicity. I don't like that. I don't mm-hmm. I don't respect that. Because what you're doing is you're cutting your nose to spite your face. Listen, I know for a fact that um some people make investments in films and then they also have You know exhibition platforms and things like that and I know that you have to break even so therefore I mean come on before you start promoting other people's projects you first promote your own now after all you have you know to break even and make your money back and all of that but think about it in the long run when you you put all these other projects at a disadvantage it's still at the end of the day going to be your loss because you could have made more yeah you could have made a whole lot more if you had just let every other project run its course as opposed to trying to you know clip their wings so that you get to be at the top yeah. you can still shine you can still be where you want to be make your allow money and allow everyone else to make money mm-hmm. now I think from a business perspective, there's the issue of having to answer to your stakeholders because if your budget was like maybe fifty million and then your your box office you know gross at the end of the day was like maybe. Forty-five? No, it was maybe a hundred million. So you just made barely fifty million on top, as opposed to a five million low-budget movie Mm -hmm. that just still came and smashed that box office, and then now still made that same hundred million. So you might have to answer to your stakeholders because they'll be going, "How come you guys spent so much money, and they spend so little amount, and you still are at par with them?" Mm -hmm. You know. So those are the little things that I think might make some people feel they don't want to give people. You know, the the onions. I mean, give people the the credit that they deserve. You know, but yeah. that's one thing that displeases me greatly about the industry that it's uh, there's so many silos. You know, they're like there's this whole power thingy at play where you can um, you're not giving those that the giving the people that deserve the the shot. Yeah. You know, you're not giving. It's like uh, oh, I know you, and then you can't run a business like that. Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're, at the end of the day, you're hurting. You would have made a whole lot more if you took your chances with, with this rookie that had a great picture and a great story, as mm. opposed to, that's my G. Last year, we made this movie together, and how this is how much he did. So therefore, we're continuing in our trend. No, mm. you're not going to, the industry is not going to grow. So now what needs to happen is we need more players. Yeah. That's just all, that's what needs to happen. And guess what? The players are coming though. Know? Play, like an avalanche I assure you because I have seen, I have heard I have been in different areas and avenues, I see what's coming yeah. there's going to be a huge boom as in, there is going to be some I mean, how many theatres do we have? we have just barely how many? someone sent me something one time, I wish I could read it a number of theatres as opposed to so many other people that have tens of thousands around the world, we have barely how many hundred? You know that's not a lot, and more people are going to come into the industry with the resources to create more theatres, to build more infrastructure, to 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 you know. By the time we get to that point, we'll diversify now. Yeah. You don't always have to go to a big cinema. You can go to your community centre down the road. You know, it's good. we're getting to that point really. Yeah. So, and then of course you now have your online platforms as well. That because of the whole. Um, because of the whole um, social distancing thing, you really can't get to go out that much now. People are turning to the online platform, so yeah. there's a lot of room for diversification. You can still make all your money back, you know. You just don't, without going to have it exhibited in the theaters or anything yeah. else. So that time is, is here pretty much. Okay. So, but that is what I do not like about. That's what makes me sad about the industry, and I'm glad that it's coming to an end.
0: Yeah. Like for for context, um, Lolo was, or is the um, police inspector on my web <laughs> <rap> series, <laughs> Inspector he just, Uzo. We just wrapped two days ago, and um, yeah, we'll be talking about it in the coming weeks. Yay! Yeah. Um. So, Lolo, how can people keep up with your work?
1: Um. Well. For now, I'm focusing on trying to put out a new feature. That's the first thing. Um, so you can, but you can follow me on social media. Um, my Instagram handle is lolostar. And then my, if you want to keep up with the music, there's open mic with Lolo. That's, um, what I, usually just post material on the live shows and all of that. Um, if you send me, if you need to reach me, just send me a DM or something. I'll definitely holler back. But those are the two platforms I'm, I'm active on right now the two um ids handles that i'm active on right now on instagram okay
0: thanks for coming on the podcast
1: thank you Stella, for having me i had so much fun long overdue
0: (laughs) we have come to the end of this episode please remember to leave a rating and a review and follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Telegr Film and the podcast. Also on Instagram and Twitter at the Niger Film FilmCon. See you in the next episode. Have a good one.